Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Kevin Riggs and I want to thank you for listening to Floods of Justice, a weekly conversation with my guest along with co-host Kevin Sage where we discuss current events from a biblical perspective without the labels. If you have your Bibles, open them to Amos chapter 5 and I want to read verse 24 where the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 2, with special guest Elizabeth Madeira from the Southern Christian Coalition, where we discuss politics, faith, legislation, and more. Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Follow the Holler for relentless coverage, shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee. Find them online at tnholler.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the tnholler. You know, my faith has been important to me. My top priority since I was a kid has been the guiding force in my life. And, you know, in the past five or so years have really um, started paying attention to what that means in terms of politics and policy and systems of injustice and racism, et cetera. And so I'm really excited to be working as an organizer for Southern Christian Coalition. so what's really cool about what they do is there are, we got a couple of goals, but one of our main goals is probably the main goal is elevating the voices of pastors and leaders in the faith, the Christian faith community across the state of Tennessee, elevating their voices in the media um, in, um, in opposition to policies that are really dangerous and that are contrary to the values um, of faith in Jesus and our Christian values, especially those of loving our neighbor as ourself, taking care of the least of these. Um, really big focus on Micah 6, 8, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we just feel really strongly that in the state of Tennessee, a lot of the voices of faith leaders and pastors that are elevated historically have been in defense of what we believe to be dangerous and harmful policy that goes against Christian values. And so I think it's important to raise the voices of people like you, Pastor Kevin. We um, sent out a press release this morning quoting you um, in defense of removing the bust. So I guess it's all very timely that I'm <laughs> that I'm on your podcast today, the same day as that meeting and the same day, one day after you were on the 10 o'clock news because you spoke up against putting prisoners in the bottom of the vaccination line. So we're really grateful for your voice. Yeah, you know, well, thank you. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to, um, to, to speak up. So, um, you know, when I get negative feedback, I'll, I'll just send it your way and, and, uh, and blame you uh, for it. But, you know, they said something last night at the end of, the, of my little segment on the news um, that the, the lady, I can't remember her name, the doctor who does a lot of the updates uh, for covid uh, for Tennessee, uh, was going to address the, uh, some, at some point today was going to address the vaccine to prisoners. I don't know what she's going to say. I'm hopeful that, you know, the governor maybe has intervened and said, no, we had a plan to vaccinate, uh, prisoners and we need to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. You know, one, for those who don't know, um, some advisory firm advised the governor, um, to not vaccinate, uh, prisoners first that they would be the very last so you're talking about maybe the end of the summer or early fall before they were to get vaccinated when 
um, prisons were right behind nursing homes as far as just the number of cases and how fast they can spread. And uh, but then the reasoning behind it was, if you didn't see the article, that it would be a to vaccinate prisoners before you did everybody else would be a public relations nightmare. And that just really kind of got under my skin. That's that's the reason you're going to say that. And uh, uh, so I'm hoping that, I'm, I'm hoping that, that the governor says, no, we're going to go ahead. Because, you know, at least at Riverbend, where I where I go um, just a couple of weeks ago, the nurses were walking around asking who wanted the vaccine and who didn't. And I mean, and was telling them you're about to get vaccinated. And of course, the inmates are excited about that because that means hope that their family visitations can start back up. The programming can start back up. And so here they are waiting to get back, thinking that they're about to get vaccinated. And then all of a sudden, because a PR move says no. And uh, I mean, that, that's borderline cruel and unusual punishment, you know, right. to get somebody's hopes up and then take it away from them. So so I'm hoping the governor steps in on that. I mean, he, it's just an advisory panel, so he doesn't have to take he doesn't have to do what they say. He just has to listen and then, uh, you know, and then make his own decision uh, from that. But. Um, and th now you told me, it seemed like if I remember that the, that this organization, the Southern Christian Coalition was actually formed around refugees, uh, and then it just kind of expanded. Is that right? Yes. So originally, um, this was before I was involved, <clears throat> but in 2017, when there was kind of a national push and when Bill Haslam was still governor, there were a lot of, a lot of states that were wanting to back off on the number of refugees they let in or even let in no refugees, which is just heartbreaking to consider. And um, so there was a lot of grassroots organizing, on the ground organizing of pastors and just people of faith across Tennessee. And they put out petition um, and brought it to Bill Haslam to say, as people of faith, we're to welcome the stranger. It's one of our you know, callings from Christ is to take care of immigrants and refugees and to turn them away is contrary to the gospel. And so um, they did end up, Tennessee and Bill Haslam did end up still welcoming refugees. Of course, throughout the course of the Trump administration, the, the number went down dramatically, um, but it was definitely a success that it was, um, that they did continue to welcome a number of refugees. Now, then since then, um, a lot of advocacy has been done by the Southern Christian Coalition for Medicaid expansion, you know, believing that's another thing that's taking care of the least of these and is also, you know, just good moral public policy to use the funds that allocated to you to give healthcare to more people, especially those in poverty. And so, you know, that's been a big talking point over the years. And then of course, we've done a lot in the past year with COVID, and I say we, but they did a lot of the work before I joined the team, but in calling on Governor Lee to pass a statewide mask mandate, knowing that that would save lives across the state, et cetera. And so I think it's, it's all dependent on what policy is coming up down through the, legislate, the legislature and the General Assembly and what Bill Lee is um, pushing. And just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Kevin was also on a press conference we did against permitless carry, which also got some news coverage. So it's really encouraging to see um, the voices of faith leaders um, in the media that giving, giving a message that a lot of Tennesseans really don't hear from the faith community. And I think it's really important. Yeah, you know, I, the, uh, the pastors or, or the voices that are usually elevated, you, you were being kind, but it's really the voices of, um, of, 
of Christian nationalism uh, that that's being elevated, and uh, and we need to stand against that. You you were talking about Governor Governor Haslam. It's like man. <laughs> I miss Governor Haslam. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it, I feel like there has been such a move both in evangelicalism as a whole, not every single church, obviously, but evangelicalism as a whole in um, the Republican Party as a whole, just really veering to the right on things and just saying that any kind of mm-hmm. government intervention is anti-Christian, which is just really not what the message of jesus was at all you know? unless it's abortion or unless it's, it's transgender rights right, right. Uh, or same-sex marriage then the government needs to step in and do something right yeah. yeah 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 so i think yeah i think that there's been um a lot of yeah and i'm really grateful too that a lot of the media uh has been covering christian nationalism and calling it out for what it is because the fact that it's tried to hijack Christian faith is just damaging to the gospel in so many ways. And so I think it's important that we talk about it. If we don't talk about it, if we don't name it, we can't, we can't come to a solution. So I'm grateful for those that are, um, those that are speaking out included. Look at, I'm going to bring up you, you were in the news twice one day, once for the (laughs) permitless carry and then uh, the national NPR covered you and your statement against uh, Christian nationalism. So well, it's not intentional. It's not, yeah. trust me, it's not, I got other things to do. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, on some other issues, uh, for whatever reason, this particular, the last two weeks have been um, quite busy with uh, different reporters contacting about different reasons. Um, and, uh, and for the most part, the response has been positive. I mean, there's always, uh, there's always negative, there's always hate. But, you know, I, I believe strongly that at least one of the functions and, a pro- and one of the main functions of a of a church is to be the conscience of the community. And, uh, and so if you do speak out and try to be the conscience, then, uh, then every once in a while, people want to talk to you about it. The negative of that, it seems like that you're always, you're, you're never happy. You're always mad about, <laughs> mad about <laughs> something. I, I emailed our two senators or, um, you know, my, my two senators um, yesterday. Cause I got a, I got a message from a friend of mine who was upset about a number of, um, house bills and senate bills coming through the state senate mm-hmm. and uh, i'm friends with one of my representatives and consider him to be a really a good friend and, and there's mutual respect although we disagree on most <laughs> most everything uh, the other one i mean i know him but it's not the same thing but i emailed them and said hey this is just my concerns here are the bills that are coming through and uh, both of them replied uh, relatively quick and uh, but we're saying well this one's probably not going to come out of committee this one's stuck uh, here um and at least my friend there was one issue that he was well i'm concerned about that too so so he may sometimes he does vote against party um and so we'll see you know we'll see what he does but there's just this hard right that our state Mm -hmm. government has taken Mm -hmm. and um and you know on one hand i don't know why on the other hand i do know why but it's like okay why are all these policies now they seem to be targeting um people who are on the margins of society and they Mm -hmm. seem to be shutting down like like the that bill about, um, you know, you can't block a street in a, for a protest. Well, that's already the law. You're not supposed to do that anyway. That's already the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now what they've done is they've increased it, made it a class E felony if if it passes a class E felony, which is which is serious. You can't get that expunged from your record, um, and then you lose your voting rights for the rest of your life. 
uh, with that just because you're you're protesting. And but then if you're in the street and somebody hits you, well, then they're not they got complete immunity if they hit you with your car. And it says unintentionally, but that's a how do you fight unintentionally? Anybody could say, well, I was stopped, but then I actually hit the gas. I didn't mean to. And it was unintentional when, you know, and it's just it's just crazy. It let them protest and then arrest them and, and give them the um, the the fine or whatever that it is. And and uh, uh, but it's a low level um, fine and, and so that it doesn't follow them the rest the rest of their lives. And so it's just another way to to, uh, to shut down um, alternative voices, you know, um, because if 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 somebody who is for their agenda blocks the street, they're not going to they're not going to enforce it. But if it's somebody who's against their agenda, uh, then now they've got recourse to, uh, to get them, you know, I mean, there, there's some people who, who they don't mind getting arrested if it's a low level misdemeanor to make a point. Right. But now all of a sudden, boy, I'm not, if, if, if I'm going to get this classy mis classy felony, man, I can't afford that. I mean, I can't get student loans now and all that. So I I've got to, I, I'm not going to go protest. So you shut down protesting. Mm -hmm. um, by uh, by doing that, well, Elizabeth, I'm I'm curious, you know, from your experience with this last campaign, and you you said your your passion is that intersection between faith and politics. Did the last campaign uh, discourage you? Encourage you? Do you feel like you're going to return to the political world, or can you affect it from the outside, like you're doing with the Southern Christian Coalition? Well, I I will admit I do like right now not being the person in the spotlight. There was definitely parts of running for office that were um, especially vulnerable and they put, a, you know, put me in the public eye to a lot of points that I thought I was having an out-of-body experience sometime. Like, oh my goodness, is this really me? <laughs> on, you know, paying money to put myself on everyone's Facebook feed. That was a little bit out of my comfort zone. So. I will say right now, I do like being behind the scenes. That doesn't mean I will never run for office again, but it doesn't, it's not, um, it's not a current desire, um, but I'm really grateful to be doing the work in the background. And another thing that Southern Christian Coalition, another one of our goals is to really organize um, lay people too um, in issues in the, intersection of faith and politics too, because I think so often as Christians who maybe have, um, who want to be involved in the political system or in policy and want to reach out to our representatives um, in Tennessee, it feels like if you are of the minority political opinion, it feels like you're not really sure where to go for resources, who to reach out to, how to organize. And so, you know, I feel like there's there's a lot to be said for organizing lay people too to speak up against dangerous policy like the permitless carry. We also, you know, we have a petition currently on our website just for anybody to sign that shows as people of faith, as Christians, that, you know, we stand against dangerous permitless carry or that, um, you know, when Medicaid expansion hopefully comes up again, that we're in support of it, et cetera. So I think that there's a lot to, a lot of times as a lay person or a person in your home who doesn't think of politics or um, you know, being clergy as a career, it feels like, what's my role? But I think that there's a lot of 
there's a lot of space for people to organize at the grassroots level and to be informed and to advocate for the things that are important to us. Did you did you have that experience of just walking into a store or walking into a restaurant and you just feel like everybody is looking at you, you know, and like you, they don't say anything, but you're like, OK, they 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 know who I am. And then the thought is, are they going to come up and say something good or bad or <laughs> You know, that happened to me just this morning at breakfast there, but but it's that, yeah, where it's like, okay, that person is looking at me, uh, like they know me and they don't look happy. I don't know if they're, and it could all be, it could all be up here in my mind. Right. But so did you have that experience? Well, so I think it was such a unique year to run because it was during COVID and, you know, social distancing. So even if I was in public, I was wearing a mask. So, which might make you a little more hidden. Um, but I did, I did have one experience and I've never felt like everybody was looking at me. Thank goodness, that would be really uncomfortable. <laughs> but I did go, um, I did stop by towards the end of the campaign at Home Depot for something. And um, I had a couple of men, like middle-aged guys. So not even really like my target audience. I really um, reached out a lot to moms, <laughs> but um, th- these two guys came, like, came up to me and they were like, we are rooting for you. We're pulling for you. We're so excited you're running. And I was extremely taken aback, mostly because I was hardly ever in public due to COVID. Most of my campaign was via yeah. Zoom. Um, but that, that was really encouraging. And, um, but now it's interesting as the weather is getting warmer and I'm out in the neighborhood going on walks or bike rides with the kids. And I have a lot of neighbors say, oh, hi, Elizabeth. And I do not know who they are. So (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if they're like, hi, nice to meet you. I'd like to know you or hi, now I know who to avoid. (laughs) It's hard to know. I think there's a lot of people who want to be more politically active than they used to be. I don't, they don't necessarily want to go protest still. um, But, you know, they they write a letter or send an email Mm -hmm. or, or, um, you know, there's other ways to get involved. So, but what are some of those policies that, that, that uh, need our attention? Well, I will say this, it's very easy to get overwhelmed and bogged down because there is so much. And so I think uh, no matter who you are, make sure that you know your capacity and, you know, be involved and communicate with your representatives, but don't feel like you have to communicate about every single bill that you support or are worried about um definitely everybody has to kind of pick and choose because it would be easy to get so overwhelmed that you could get discouraged so i'd say don't give up and pick what you can (laughs) but um right now the big things we're focusing on at southern christian coalition is number one being against the permitless carry bill which would allow anybody to anybody over 21 to conceal a weapon to carry and conceal a weapon. So now I heard the other day that it that is also open carry. Right, extreme. Then. Yeah, well, at least you know somebody's got a gun then. But yeah, it's like yeah. this, this is the wild wild west. You can just wear a holster and, and a gun on your side and. Yeah. 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 Um, and the concern is, and some defend people that will defend it will say, "Oh well, you still have to pass a background check to buy a gun at a licensed gun dealer." But that is not the only way to get a gun. And we all know that, right? And so anybody can get a gun. If steal a gun, get it from a gun show, get it from 
Craigslist <laughs> from a neighborhood sale group without going through um, any training, you, you know, to get the permit without a, any of those methods, you can get a gun without a background check. And then the police or we as bystanders are not going to know if the people carrying the gun are safe or not. Um, so it's it's really dangerous legislation. And um, I really think when, when you were on our press conference, you quoted Martin Luther King Jr. And again, talking about how the church is to be the conscience of the community and of the state and to be a prophetic mm -hmm. voice does not mean you just agree with what the government does all the time. So I, you know, speaking out to say, this is dangerous. It puts our neighborhoods in danger. It puts our communities in danger is an important, important part of our faith. You know, several years ago, I was in Honduras and uh, I was in a, you know, Honduras has a bad reputation anyway, especially the cities, San Pedro Sula and Tegucigalpa. But I was in a, a really, really rough section of Tegucigalpa. So even by Honduran standards, a, a difficult place. And uh, we were doing uh, something there and we were all kind of inside. But then like when we got to this location, there was um, a person who who was obviously homeless laying on the street and uh, and somebody with me said, well, he looks like he's dead. And uh, and he was actually dead, just laying on the street. And uh, so we're inside and we're doing some different things. And all of a sudden a car backfires or fireworks go off and I couldn't tell what it was. And I knew I knew the situation we were in and I looked at the local pastor we were working with. And I said, was that gunfire? He said, no, it was fireworks. I said, well, how do you tell the difference? And he, he kind of smiled and said, nobody pulled their guns out. And what he meant by that was if it would have been gunfire, everybody, I said, well, how many people in this room you think have guns? He said, all of them do. And wow. so if it would have been gunfire, everybody, and, and there was probably about a hundred people in there, mm. you know, if, especially if they were male, they would have pulled their guns out. But since they left their, since they didn't pull their guns out, it was fireworks. It wasn't gunfire. And, and so anytime I hear about this permanent, permanent carry, that's what I think. We're going to be in a restaurant. There's mm. going to be a car backfire. Mm. And all of a sudden people are going to start pulling their guns out. Mm. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's, here, right. here we go. If you're new to Floods of Justice, welcome. And be sure to check out our Season 1 episodes on systemic racism, social justice, mass incarceration, and more. If you'd like to connect online, you can visit us at www.floodsofjustice.org. Find us on Facebook or engage with Dr. Kevin Riggs directly on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin. That's R-I-G-G-S underscore K-E-V-I-N. And now, back to our conversation. Some of the things um, that we want to do, like you said earlier, we don't always want to be against everything. Yeah. Sometimes we want to be for good policy. And I think one thing that um, Tennessee doesn't get enough of is hearing some of the details of the American Rescue Plan at the federal level also, um, and how much that's positively going to affect families. So mm -hmm. um, right now I've talked to some people who have really found themselves in the past year unemployed due to COVID, you know, in unique situations with kids or grandkids they have um, custody of and dealing with virtual school or just all kinds of things that are making it, you know, you add virtual school unemployment and, you know, a hard, Tennessee has a hard unemployment system to navigate. It's certainly mm -hmm. not as efficient as it can be. People that are really struggling and how much this plan is gonna help. So we're actually even planning in the next couple of days, a press conference 
to talk about the um, the new child the new child tax credit, which mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are not really talking about, but that will indicate if it ends up being extended past this year, we'll cut child poverty in half. And mm -hmm. what a wonderful thing that would be for the country, for Tennessee. And Tennessee has a pretty high rate of poverty um, to be able to um, specifically target families and children because you know children in poverty can be facing hunger, lack of schooling, all kinds of issues. And by lifting those folks out of po poverty, that's gonna have a really positive effect on families across the country. And so, so we want to be um, not always negative and sometimes bring, bring forward and support some of the positive things that are happening. We've also had statements against the transgender sports ban, which is a solution in search of a problem. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we really believe in that the image of God is in all people. And even if there's something that we don't understand, it doesn't mean that, because um, I understand, especially in American evangelicalism, there's a big misunderstanding of transgender and what it means. And, but that doesn't mean that that gives us a right to discriminate, discriminate against them. Yeah, well, it's a fear. I think yeah. it's more than a misunderstanding. It's it's a uh, uh, it's a fear, and uh, and I want you to explain a little bit because I like that saying. And I agree with you that that at least this sports bill is um, you know a solution looking for a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unpack yeah. that a little bit. So, and it's happening across the country. And one thing that you mentioned earlier. Sorry, this may be veering a little bit, but one thing you mentioned is it seems like so many. In the Tennessee State House, it seems like so much policy is veering to the right and is specifically targeted to marginalized communities and as a detriment to them. And in a lot of my research, it's happening not just in Tennessee, but in a lot of state houses across the country. I mean, we can look in Georgia too, where they just passed a law that would like greatly restrict their voting access. That's another big thing that we're gonna be talking about yeah. is making sure everyone that's eligible has the right to vote and isn't um, trying to get their vote suppressed. But it's happening across the country and it's not a coincidence, it's organized. Right. Groups like ALEC um, that are, you know, basically propose legislation, harmful legislation to state houses and state legislatures all across the country. And you see these copycat bills like the sport, transgender sports bill. Um, but basically as it is, it just says, students can only participate in sports teams um, according to the sex that's on their birth certificate, which of course then eliminates transgender. Um, I mean, it's, it's targeting transgender girls, mm -hmm. right? And saying that if you were born as a male, you shouldn't be able to participate in female sports. But first of all, there is not a single case of that happening in Tennessee, not a single case where there is a transgender girl trying to play in a boy, I mean, transgender girl trying to play in a girl's sports team. And so it's really not a problem. It's basically just a bill that's playing to people's fears and targeting mm -hmm. a base. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a whole lot of misunderstanding to be generous about what it means to be transgender. And I mean, if you actually look at the data, when there are transgender girls playing in um, girl sports, it doesn't it doesn't give them automatic first place trophies, right? And right. it's also people think that it's gonna all of a sudden mean all these high school boys are gonna decide to be girls to win trophies, which is also an absolutely absurd idea. 
Yeah, and that's what I wanted to, ki- to hit on. And because okay. I had a pat, I had a pastor friend ask me uh, something I, I'd said, and he heard me, and he was like, "Wait a minute, what? Wait a minute, what is this about transgender? Are you for this?" And I said, "Well, it's not being for or against. First of all, it's these people are tra- creating the image of God, mm-hmm. and I and I can I can disagree with someone, not just them, but anyone, but they still need to be treated with, with um, you know, with 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 the fact that they're created in God's image and they have to be respected. But there's no there's no um, person, a high school guy like I would have been um, who is, who is tall and um, just, you know, extremely, I don't want to use bad terms. I don't want anybody to make mad, but they just don't all of a sudden decide they won't go play girls sports because they can't make the varsity team, the guys varsity. That just doesn't happen that way. It's people who have all kinds of things that are going on and, so after that conversation, I did a little research, and, and I didn't know this, but at least one of the things I read was that right now in the NCAA, uh, there is somewhere between two and 300 um, transgendered um, girls, I guess you would say, who are participating in NCAA schools uh, in girls' sports. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not winning first place. Right. You know, yeah. they're, 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 they're competing, and it's not, you know, it's not what, it's not what everybody – thinks it is it's not it's not the issue it's a solution looking for a problem but you don't pass a law and discriminate against a whole group of people because there might be because closely related to this is the bathroom bill as well which is the same thing as far as i know there's never been a case in the united states where a transgender person has gone into the opposite biological restroom uh, to abuse somebody or to spy on somebody or to look at somebody but there's all kinds of reports of heterosexual males putting cameras in girls' locker rooms and girls, yep. you know, in girls' restrooms and, you know, coaches and teachers and all of that, even in our own community, that's happened. Yep. And so there, yeah. there's all, so it's like, no, 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 that transgender person who's going into that restroom, you're, you, you, you've probably already been in a restroom with a transgender person, just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. But they're not, they're not the person who's causing, who, who you need to fear. You need to fear that, uh, that janitor or that coach um, who is who is putting these cameras up in uh, in in girl spaces for the particular reason of uh, of abusing them and so forth. I mean that's you know so that's another solution looking for a problem, and, right. you know in in my opinion. And again, it's not saying I'm not condoning or condemning one way or another. It's just these are bills that just it's just a it's just targeted to a certain segment, right. Uh, people and and it's like but wait a minute we you know part of living in the united states is that there's freedom of religion there's free and so Mm -hmm. in a sense by by protecting a transgender person's rights i'm protecting my own rights Mm -hmm. absolutely you know and uh, and that's what i got to be concerned about i'm that i have to protect the other person's rights who i may or may not agree with so that my rights um will be protected on on, you know if if things were to change from that right and I mean, if we look at Jesus's ministry, who was he reaching out to? Mm-hmm. He was always reaching out to the marginalized and, you know, healing the lepers, which was unheard of, right? And um, when I look at, I'll, to me, I know stories are so meaningful. And so hearing the story of friends, people in my community who are transgender and what they've been through, and then also knowing the statistics that as many as 50% of transgender people attempt suicide. I mean, that's obviously more than 10 times what it is among the general population. 
that Mm -hmm. we as Christians, it is our job to go out and love people and make sure they feel welcome in the family of God. And that is my number one priority, right? Is to love as Christ loves, to welcome people in, to make sure people know that no matter what society may be telling them that Jesus loves them and wants them to be in his, his family, right? And offers them hope and eternal life and eternal love, all those kind of things. And so to me, when people justify faith or Christianity or take the Bible out of context in order to persecute a group of people, I mean, that is, I get really all kinds of mad about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because to me, what the church should look like is radically loving people and should not be used as a justification for denying people their rights. Thank you again for listening to Floods of Justice, where we discuss the issues of the day from a biblical perspective without the labels. If you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, you can go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash floodsofjustice. The link is in the show notes. Buy us a cup, buy us two. Any size contribution is truly appreciated. We are in the process of establishing 501c3 status where your donations will be tax deductible. But in the meantime, a cup of coffee is just fine with us. Yes, well, if I'm allowed to recommend another podcast on this podcast. Absolutely. (laughs) There's one that I've recently, I wish that I had found earlier because they've been going on for six years now and it's called Pantsuit Politics. Oh yes, I know it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, so Sarah and Beth... um, Beth used to be um, identify more as a Republican, as a conservative. Sarah on the left, they're both Christian moms about the same age in Kentucky. And they wrote a book actually that's called, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. So, um, and their tagline is grace-filled political conversations. So I really appreciate their, um, their nuanced conversation about politics and policy. But the one that I was listening to that I think came out today they were talking about the difference between a legislative policy and a communication, a legislative strategy and a communication strategy. And right now in a lot of state houses and unfortunately in um, Washington, there are a lot of politicians that are just focused on their communications policy, their communication strategy. They're out there talking about Dr. Seuss and transgender sports and culture wars and Megan and Harry, and they're just (laughs) focusing on the communication strategy instead of a legislative strategy of actual policy that helps people. And if you want to go really deep into it, um, you can read uh, a couple of books that I've recently read that kind of explain the, the beast behind all of it that has moved everything and messaged everything as any government intervention is evil. Um, You can check out the books, um, Dark Money, and um, democracy in chains, but just about the the big money influence, um, which is really kind of a beast that feeds that communications strategy that leads to a legislative strategy, which is getting rid of everything governmental versus helping people when what we should be focused on is how do we help people? How do we work together? How do we compromise? I mean, especially in this, looking at the last year, we've got a global pandemic, record numbers of unemployment, so many uninsured, um, not just Tennesseans, but Americans. Those are problems we can solve together if we're focused on 
legislative strategy over our communication mm -hmm. strategy and actually doing good by the people and not just winning elections and garnering more power. So I guess that's my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to push back a little bit because I'm a little more cynical that okay. uh, <laughs> that that really what's going on is the, the communication strategy. People are communicating these things like you said, and they are instead of doing legislation. But no, it's like it's to get your attention over here at these yes. things. And then the people who are really in control are, are making these legis legislative mm. changes and nobody even knows about them because they're focused on, do on Dr. Yes. Seuss and, and these mm -hmm. cultural war things. And, and there's detrimental things being passed. Um, you know, you got to always, if, if yeah. anytime you're paying attention in politics, you got to ask, okay, what's going on over here instead? Why am I drawn? Trump, Trump was the master of that. Just throwing stuff out there, red meat out there to get everybody all upset. Mm -hmm. And everybody looking over here. And then while he was doing that, he appointed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds right. of conservative judges and, yes. and changed things just like that, that that'll take generations to mm -hmm. uh, uh to counter. So that so that's the it, some of it may some of it may be done on purpose. Let's yes. throw this out here so that nobody's paying attention. You know, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Um, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But now there's a documentary on Netflix called Capital. Uh, that is really good and it talk and it talks about capitalism and goes way back in history uh you know the industrial revolution but just talks about how uh this unfettered capitalism you know increases the wealth gap and then then there's a revolution i mean that's what's happened throughout you know throughout history and we're headed we're headed for a difficult time because of the uh, the income gap has gotten so great uh not just in our country but across the world you know you know from that but um but yeah and i heard those other books that hadn't had, had a chance to uh, to read them yet and shout out i'm not going to say the last name but jenny you heard it here we got to listen to pantsuit politics <laughs> yeah i know that's i know that's your favorite podcast not not your pastors but that one uh, so i know jenny she's yes she, um I can't remember what was my tipping point to finally start listening. And when I did, I thought, oh, it's so nice to hear people thoughtfully discuss and explain policy for us. But, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you that it's the communication strategy is to distract, but also to scare you to keep voting for them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all power. I mean, power. that's, that's the, uh, the, the uh, um, right to life has been used now for, mm -hmm what 30 plus years to keep people revolting voting republican and, but nothing has changed it's still you know um and uh and they got to keep that out there because that's how they keep them that's how they right. keep you voting you know voting republican just one issue uh, kind of a one issue thing well one, one other thing is, i mean this is going to backtrack but i don't know if you saw it on the news but man i i just wanted to i wanted to throw something in the news uh the distinguished marsha blackburn on the news said uh, something to the effect that Biden is wanting to take all this healthcare money from red states and give it to blue states. Did you see, did you hear that? And I, I just want well, now that you say that, it sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, yeah. and I just want to, cause we talked about this on another early, early podcast that, you know, since our state doesn't, you know, we, we've declined the Medicaid mm -hmm. money from Washington. Uh, well then why, and I know how the government works cause I've gotten some grants I had to work with. So Washington recaptures that money that should be Tennessee's and sends it to another state that wants it. Mm -hmm. And so in essence, we're paying for help. We don't pay for our own health care, but we're paying for health care 
uh, for people in other states, right. you know, and uh, when that money should, that money should be ours to help with rural hospitals as well as just help with individual, uh, individual health care. And she said that, and I was like, okay, I know you know better. So you're just lying. Right. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, what's really going on. That money that should be coming to Tennessee is going to other states because, because our state legislature says we don't want that money. Right. And we're losing millions and millions, if not billions of dollars every year, because we refuse to expand Medicaid, Medicare, um, and just uh, and just take that money that we have paid in taxes that could come right. back to us. Right. Yeah. Biden had nothing to do with Tennessee no. not expanding no, Medicaid. Not, not a thing. And then, <laughs> so, you know, then, then the other lie is only 10 percent, 9 percent of the COVID money is actually going to COVID things. Like, no, no, you're forgetting the the child, the child care, um, uh, you know, tax deduction, the money going to schools, the money going, you know, to all these other different places, the unemployment and, you know, they're right. just added they're like somebody. Yeah. A friend of mine, I didn't want to respond. He added up. If you, you know, if you gave everybody in the United States, $2,000, it only comes to basically about 10% of the 9.1 billion. So where's the rest of the money going? And I'm like, do you not read? Right. Do you not you know, that, that is far more than this um, $1,400. I mean, it's far right. more than right. that. And all of it is that, is there waste in there? Well, yeah, there's waste in every bill. You, sometimes you right. got to do that to get mm-hmm. people behind it, but, but the majority of it, and you voted for, Trump, you voted for Trump's first one. Uh, what was right. that? Right. 1200 a piece or whatever it was. Right. You, know, you voted, you voted for that. And it had the same, it had lots of military money. If I remember it right expanding the military right Uh, and i think yeah and that could be a conversation for another day as well yeah it is you you cut this part kevin (laughs) (laughs) people you know living in a democracy or any government means that the money it's not about giving i mean obviously there are cases where we give money to individual people but we also have money to make sure our roads and our bridges are safe and our water is clean and our kids are in school and our um, you know, I think people get really uh, tuned out when it comes to infrastructure, but look at what happened in Texas when they didn't invest in their infrastructure. <laughs> you know, like lives were lost, houses were destroyed. It may not be very exciting to invest in the sewer, but you're sure as heck going to wish you had if you put it off. <laughs> and, have regulation, and have regulations. Like, that- yeah. Right. And I mean, look at Flint, you know, you got to make sure people have act like you may say you want less government, but I definitely want my water clean and my sewer going away from my water supply. Yeah. Well, Pastor Barbara said you can live in Flint, Michigan. You can buy unleaded gas, but you can't buy unleaded water. You know, it's amazing. Dr. King, Dr. King said the three evils were militarism, consumerism and racism. And here we are all these years later. And that's still that's still the three. Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin. Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler podcast network. Follow the Holler for relentless coverage, shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee. Find them online at tnholler.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the TN Holler.